Father, we thank You for this morning. God, we thank You for Your love. God, the love that took You to the cross and then that You rose again. God, we thank You. God, You are faithful. God, You are holy. You deserve all the glory and all the honor, all the dominion and power. Father, Amen. God, You are holy. We love You, God. We praise You. We thank You for this time, God, and we pray just that You will speak through Brother Lee. Bring us Your Word, Father God. Help us hear what You want us to hear. Help us see what You want us to see. God, we thank You and we love You. It's in Your name we pray. Amen. Y'all been, uh, you bet, Matt? Kyle, don't go nowhere. Hang on a minute. Um, Kyle has done a wonderful job leading us during this time. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it very much. I know the team helped too, but you led well. You have good tone too, by the way. Yeah. But your G majors are a little bit off, but everything else is good. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> All right. Man, I like John 3.16. It's a great verse. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Isn't that good? I like the love. I like the giving part. I like the whoever believes. I like the eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. Isn't that good? The love, the giving, the whoever believes part. For God so loved the world He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. Am I missing something? What am I missing? What? What? In John 3.16? you got to be kidding me. Oh, I don't like that part. I just leave that part out. I like the love... I like the giving of God to us. I like the whoever believes part. Whoever believes, I love that. Whoever, don't matter who they are, what they've done, where they've been, whoever believes, I like that part. I like the eternal life part. I like the love, the giving, the whoever believes, the eternal life. I don't like the perishing part, so I just let it be. Don't pay attention to it. Don't honor it. Don't, don't. Don't even deal with it. Matter of fact, just, just take your pen and take that perishing thing out. Just scratch it out. Matter of fact, what you need to do, since we don't like it, since we don't like the possibility of it, since we don't like what it means, what it's going to say, all things, just go through the New Testament. Every time Jesus talks about hell, just tear that page out. That's what we need to do. Just tear it out, tear it out, just tear it out. That's what we need to do. Is that good advice? Isn't that, but isn't it interesting that that's what we do? 
we may not, you know, manually take that scripture out of the Bible, but we sure don't want to think about it. We sure don't want to talk about it. Matter of fact, there have been books written that have given what I consider to be really weak, uh, you know, perspective, and they've taken hell out of the equation. Uh, one particular book that I've read not too long ago, well, it's been a while now, uh, the author says that he doesn't believe in hell because there's so much hell in the world. And since there's so much hell in the world, there's no way there can be a hell for eternity because if there is a hell for eternity, then God doesn't get what he wants. And how can God be God if God doesn't get what he wants? And, and boy, that to me, so why did Jesus talk about hell so much? Why is it so clear in the scripture? So, we begin today a series, what Jesus has to say about blank. What Jesus has to say about the second coming, what Jesus has to say about heaven, what Jesus has to say about sin, what Jesus has to say about this, that, and the other. And today, what Jesus has to say about hell. I don't like it. It bothers me. I can't, sometimes I just can't come to the place of agreement that I have loved ones that perhaps aren't with the Lord in heaven. And so it's a hard subject. It's a difficult subject. But what Jesus has to say about hell, what he said and what he's still saying. So let's take a look at some of the scriptures. We, can't we don't have time today to look at all the scriptures that Jesus spoke about hell, but we have time to look at a few of them and see what Jesus had to say about hell. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoso that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. All right. First of all, hell is a real place. Look in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. In verse 16, Jesus said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's not a good idea, is it? Sheep in the midst of wolves. So you're driving down the, the road in your cart with your donkey pulling it, and you've got four or five sheep in your, in your wagon with you there, and you see a bunch of wolves down in a valley, and you, so you take those sheep and put them amidst the, the wolves. Put them right there. Of course, that's not a reasonable response to happen. They won't last long. But Jesus says, I am sending you out as sheep, in the midst of wolves. So be, be wise as servants and innocent as doves. All right. The wolves here aren't the number one problem that need to be dealt with. Look in verse 26. So have no fear of them. He's speaking to us as believers and he says, you are not to fear wolves. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So, 
there's some good things here. Don't fear the wolves. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. There's going to be reckoning. There's going to be truth discovered in the midst of all the accusations, in the midst of all the, the harm that wolves do against God's people. The, the words of slander, the words of abuse, the words that destroy uh, you know, someone's integrity. It's going to be found out. Don't, don't fear the wolves. I'm in charge of the wolves, Jesus is saying. And he says, but what I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered. Man, that is... This is the only place I know where Jesus talks about this idea. What you hear whispered. Listen to the whisper. Be tuned in to the whisper. Listen clearly. There's whispering going on. Whispering. You are my child. Whisper. The Holy Spirit whispers to us believers. You are not alone. Follow me. Serve me. Love me, love them, forgive. You, you hear his instructions all the time. And, and so listen to the whisper. Now, it's hard to hear whispers, isn't it? A whisper. You've got to really concentrate to hear a whisper. And, but here we have the scripture teaching us that what we hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And he says, don't kill those who can kill the body. That's not, that's not anguish worthy. That's not fear worthy. Instead, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Of course, that him is our Lord, our Father. Now, the word used for hell here in verse 28 is the word Gehenna. Gehenna, outside of the wall of Jerusalem in the, in the Zion Valley, is where their dump was. Now, our dump, or one of the big dumps for Fort Worth, is right off the interstate over here. Now, if you went over there and went in that dump, the very recent hauls to the dump, you can smell that. But as time goes on, that trash that we throw away today that smells, that stinks, it will, as time goes on, as they work the process, it'll be rotated, it, it'll, it'll be dealt with, but it'll finally be covered up. And that big hill over there is a, a hill of trash. And when you drive by that, that trash site, you don't smell the smell of all the Alito people and all the fourth work people. You don't smell anything from that because they've, they've been able to, to you know, put it in such a way that it is not smellable. You just see the big, path, big mountain over there and that mountain's man-made, right? Now, this Gehenna, you could never get away from the smell. It's where they put dead carcasses, all the sheep that were sacrificed, which at certain times of year was unbelievably in number an unbelievable number of them. And, and so if you've ever smelt uh, rotting flesh, uh, 
All the food was thrown in there. All the refuse was thrown there. So you imagine people carrying their thunder bucket <laughs> from, from their place down to that dump. And it went on over and over and over every day. They didn't have big caterpillars to turn it over. There wasn't, uh, you know, anything to do. What they did was they burned it. And, and Josephus describes Gehenna as fire that's never quenched. That's the historian. As he speaks about Gehenna, on some days when the wind blew at a certain direction, it would smell like, you know, southeast Lubbock. And if, if you know what I'm talking about, one of the biggest uh, feed yards is just southeast of Lubbock on 84 going in, just a little bit north of Slayton. And boy, after it's rained and the wind's out of the south, I'm here to tell you, you think you're in hell. It's a horrible spell. Can you imagine living next to this horrible spell all the time? And Jesus says, look, who you really defeat is not the wolves, but the one that can kill both soul and body in hell. So hell's a real place. Jesus talked about it. Second thing about hell is, hell is worse than the worst place you know of. Hell is worse than the worst place you know. Think about the worst place that you can think of, that you know of. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. So, the accountability here is uh, judgment uh, to the council, and it goes on. But whoever says, you fool. Now, uh, this idea is raka which means utter contempt. When you say you fool, it's not so much you knucklehead, you fool, you numbskull, you know, you, you, you know, uh, you mushhead, whatever you'd call somebody. So it's not saying you fool, so you are going to go to hell if you call someone fool. No, that's not what the deal is here. But when you have such utter contempt for someone, you absolutely loathe them. You just you have such anger towards them, then whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Once again, Gehenna, the worst place you know of. If you ask someone from Jerusalem, where's the worst place around here? They said, Gehenna, worst place around here. No one wants to go to the dump pile. It's been there too long, too much trash, too much smell, too much difficulty. But hell is worse than the worst place you know of. Hell is a place of judgment. Look over Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. 
We're going to begin in verse 1. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. (laughs) These are the invited guests to a wedding feast. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Those invited were not worthy. Man. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. Now that represents salvation. That represents being clothed in white, which is a symbol of forgiveness. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This scripture, this parable is about judgment. There will be judgment. There will be judgment on those who do not have the proper clothes for the wedding feast, for heaven. And and that clothes is not, it's just symbolic to not being born again, not being a believer. There will be judgment. And it's described as gnashing of teeth. Hell is a place of judgment. Gnash of teeth means grinding one's teeth together, having one's teeth set on edge or biting down in pain, anguish, and anger, which simply means because it's more than I can bear and all you can do to hold on is grind your teeth, weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's going to be tears and there's going to be gnashing of teeth. So hell is a real place. Hell is worse than the worst place you know of. Hell is a place of judgment. And look in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 31. What did Jesus have to say about hell? Verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you 
from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Verse 36, I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then, He will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. In verse 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. The idea of perishing means for eternity. Can you imagine judgment for eternity? Can you imagine pain for eternity? Can you imagine torment for eternity? Can you imagine that? We, that's something we've got to wipe away. Eternally, eternity is for those who believe and go to heaven. Surely it can't mean that both heaven and hell is for all of eternity. Heaven is for eternity. Hell is just cease to be. You go, you're judged, you're separated, you experience a little pain, but surely it's not eternal. I mean, that's what all preachers want to think. That's what all theologians struggle with when they begin to, to explain away the idea that hell is a real place. But if we're truly going to be people of Jesus and pay attention to everything Jesus says, we just can't think about the love, the giving. We just can't think about the whoever part that will have eternal life. We also must pay attention to the perishing part. And the perishing part says to us very clearly that hell is for all of eternity. It's forever. It's forever. Jesus said that. Jesus said that several times. Did you know that Jesus spoke far more about hell than he did heaven? That Jesus spoke about hell even more than money? That Jesus spoke about hell even more than, than, than love. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? That's something to really consider. That, that's a sobering thought. That if Jesus truly is the Son of God, if He is the Lord, the Messiah, the King of all kings, we must pay attention to what He talked about more than love because He is the living representation of what love is. And that subject is hell. 
the probably the subject when it comes to the gospel that we think the least about. Maybe we need to change that. Maybe we need to alter that. One more thing I want to share with you today that Jesus had to say about hell is found in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. A millstone was a great big wheel made out of rock, made out of stone. And, and it's got a hole in it and you put a stick through there and you hook it up and you may have you a, a, a donkey or an oxen or something that could walk around the threshing floor and that millstone so heavy would grind the wheat, would grind the barley and separate the, the good stuff from the bad stuff. Now, it weighed three, four hundred pounds. The, the stone that the angel rolled away was up in weight as well. That's why they made it a wheel out of it so you could push it easy, easier. And so if anybody puts 300 pounds on their back and jumps in the sea, they're done for, right? But he, if you, cause, if you ca cause a believer to sin, it would be better for you if you put a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown in the sea. And then Jesus begins, now this is obviously uh, wordplay. This is, this, is, this is hyperbole here. And if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter the life crippled than with two hands to go to hell. And he says, to the unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. And if your foot caused you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And so Jesus is saying, look, this hell thing is something to really pay attention to. And, and what you need to understand is hell is the worst of all. It's the worst experience. There, there's nothing more terrible than hell. Losing the eye is, is, is not as terrible as hell is. Losing a foot is not as bad as hell is. So you need to pay close attention to this. It's an unquenchable fire. Jesus said that hell is an unquenchable fire. You can't put it out. It can't be put out. Like Gehenna, the dump that's on fire. They couldn't get enough water to put it out. It was impossible. Today you could have put it out. With pump that have all that, had to do it manually. So there's no way they could put it out. And so they understood that. My goodness, we don't understand an unquenchable fire because we can turn the machine off. We can throw water on it. We can do all these other things. They couldn't do that. They got it. They understood. Unquenchable. It's just you can't put it out. And if your foot caused you to sin, cut it off. Man, you better to not have a foot. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. 
And if your eye causes you sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. Now look at verse 48. I get verse 48. I understand verse 48. I have experimented, I hate to say this, with verse 48. Where their worm does not die. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Long, long time ago, fishing with worms, took a lighter and said, what's it like to be a worm in an unquenchable fire? Oh, I, I went, you're sick. Quit doing that. Sorry, worm, I'm sorry. But I'm about to hook you up now and you're gone anyway, so, right? Un, uh, that hell is so horrible. He describes it. Jesus describes hell as a place where there's unbelievable pain, torment, and since the fire cannot be put out, the worm doesn't die. Nothing worse than being a worm in a fire that, and you don't die from it. You just hurt, hurt, and you hurt. The fire is not quenched. So what do we do with this teaching of hell today? What Jesus had to say about hell. First of all, to believe in hell and have a healthy perspective about it is really a healthy thing for us. You say, well, how in the world could the idea of hell be a, a, a healthy thing for us? Well, here's one reason, I believe. It will help us to not be upside down, totaled, or anguish over the wrong thing. A lot of our joy is gone because we anguish over the wrong things. A lot of peace we don't have because we're anguishing over the wrong stuff. We, we are concerned with so many things, Mary and Martha, Jesus said. You're concerned with many things, Martha. You're anguishing over many things that don't matter. Mary's found the good part, which would be sitting at the feet of Jesus. And sitting at the feet of Jesus, you hear the words that there's nothing worse than hell. And if, if we're anguishing over the wrong stuff, understanding hell, believing in hell, accepting the truth of Jesus about hell, and, and, and not ignoring it and denying it and explaining it away will help to keep us from anguishing, anguishing over the wrong thing. That's a good thing. We anguish over many things that aren't anguish worthy. I think you ought to keep that, write that down somewhere, keep that for yourself. When you pray, when you read the Bible, when you're talking to the Lord, when you have a problem that you take to the Lord, just ask yourself a question Is it anguish worthy? Is it anguish worthy? Is it truly anguish worthy? Well, Hell is truly anguish-worthy. And when we have an understanding of how, you know, how terrible hell is for all of eternity, man, helps us get other things in the proper perspective 
about how life is, how life is to be lived, what really matters in life. The second thing is this. Believing the truth about hell is absolutely a motivation to share the good news with people. And the truth is, if you're not sharing the good news with people, you probably don't have a, the right perspective to the truth of hell. Because if you had the right perspective to the truth of hell, there'd be nothing keeping you from sharing the good news with people. I mean, you're not going to just rely on the preacher to do it. You're not going to rely on other people to do it. You're going to understand that it is our assignment, our responsibility, and the consequences are anguish-worthy. I mean, someone dying without Christ is anguish-worthy. And we need to keep that in mind. Hell is that bad. Hell is forever. And, and if someone dies without Christ, if we believe His words if we believe the words about the love and the giving and, and the eternal life, and, and we must believe also the words of perishing. I like what Charles Spurgeon had to say about this topic. He said, I pray we'll be like uh, the man who, who prays this way. Prays, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. And then listen to this last statement he makes. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. That should be our mindset. You may have a friend and they won't believe in Jesus. You share Christ with them and they, they're resistant to it. They're not a believer. And if they were to pass away today, they're going to spend all of eternity in torment, separated from God in hell. And your approach should be that you will not allow them to perish unwarned and unprayed for. So what are you going to do? You're going to pray for them and at every opportunity you have, you're going to warn them. Now, to those of us who have said from time to time, I want to be careful in how I share the truth with people because I don't want to scare them away. Scare them away from hell? I mean, look, there's something more anguish-worthy than you being rejected by someone. There's something more anguish-worthy than you being labeled as the lunatic religious bigot at work. There's something a lot worse than being called a Jesus freak. There's something truly anguish-worthy in the world, and it's not being rejected, not being included. I never get invited to parties. Why? Because I told so-and-so about Jesus, and now they think we're some kind of you know, bigoted Jesus freak, and they won't invite us to the party anymore, so I'm just going to hang back, and I'm going to keep my mouth closed, and I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to be amiable to people, and I'm just going to say what people want to hear so I can be included at the expense of the anguish-worthy hell. I'd rather be all alone. You know what Paul said? about the Jewish people in Romans chapter 10, Paul said that he, chapter 9, he wished that he was accursed. Paul wanted, he said, I would rather exchange place for them and I would spend all eternity in hell so that they would be saved. Anguish worthy. Hell is anguish 
worthy. Let no one go there without, without being warned over and over and over. Make an absolute annoying pest of yourself. And I'm here to tell you, be good honest. Now, I wouldn't be a friend to you if I didn't tell you everything. I can't live with the possibility that you'll spend all of eternity in torment with unquenchable fire. And friend, the worm don't die. Well, I don't believe that. Well, Jesus said it, but I don't believe in Jesus. Okay, but boy, I want you to. And pray and pray and pray and love and care for him. But understand, dying without Christ is anguish worthy. It is anguish worthy. Believe the truth about hell should cause people to believe in Jesus with all your heart. Now, primarily, we've looked at these words of Jesus about the reality of hell, and but and the primary response is to believe in Jesus. So, if you're questioning whether or not you, you're one of God's children, you need to believe in Jesus. <laughs> Go ahead and believe in Jesus. Trust Him. Give your life to Him. If you have not made the statement, a proclamation, uh, acknowledge that you have faith in Christ, acknowledge Him. If you've, not, if you've not believed in Christ, believe in Christ today. And if, if you're, you believe in Christ, but you're, you're just kind of to yourself about it, you're in the closet, you just don't want anybody to know that you believe in Jesus, you know, and you, you're very quiet about your faith, get out of the closet. It's way too important for us. Way too important to allow someone to go to hell unwarned and unprayed for. So let's pray together. If the Holy Spirit's leading you to make a decision to receive Christ, to believe in Him, when we begin to sing our song today, come stand here at the altar. You can kneel at the altar. You can stand here and, and we'll pray with you at the end of our time invitation. The altar is also available to you today. Is You've got people in your life that if they died today, they would spend all of eternity in hell and you haven't ever witnessed to them. You haven't prayed for them. You're not praying for them. You're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with them over this matter. And repentance is needed. Repentance is needed. A turnabout. A change. And so the altar here, if you just want to renew your commitment to sharing the gospel with people, Come and let's, let's pray for you. Let's encourage you. Let us support you. I mean, I, I'm dedicating, rededicating, renewing my faith after studying this scripture this week. Man, I don't want anybody going to hell. I, I'm going to be more of a pest than I've been. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of the box again. I've, I've been out of the box a while. Sometimes I go back in. I need to get back out. And if I have to be that annoying rat, I'm going to be that annoying rat because I don't want to see anyone anyone go to hell and I hope you'll join me in being a mighty army to talk to people about the good news the truth but sharing all the aspects of it so let's stand you 
come to the altar. That's what the Lord leads you to do. And they're going to sing for us and respond as the Lord leads you.